Okay, episode 16, Grant Gajewski, Rise Brewing Company. Glenn Wilkins, Zap Packaging. Before we jump into the show, like I normally do, we just get right after it. We're going to address really quickly what's going on because it's right in our face. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there right now. And uh, we're not going to act like it's not there. Um, I made uh, my my voice uh, heard as you know as much as I can. I, I I made our position at least for for I One Organics. I know on behalf of our team, um, I know so many amazing people um, who have voiced uh, their opinion as well and their stance, and that needs to happen right now. Um, so before we get in the show, it's just a reminder. I know it's difficult. Uh, you could be a founder or CEO. You could be a high level management. Uh, you need to make a position and you need to make it heard. Um, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I, I don't, I, I hope we aren't just saying it again, as we have so many times before. Um, we need to do that. And so if you haven't yet, I know it's sometimes scary, it's difficult, uh, but you gotta dig really deep at a time like this and do it for the people. Do it for all of the people. Um, so I uh, hope you guys don't mind that little uh, quick address. Um, Grant, Rise Brewing Company. I think we're talking coffee. I think we're talking uh, oat milk. We're talking both those things. Okay. Give us a little history. How did uh, the Rise Brewing Company come up? Who started it? Uh, and what does it look like today? Sure. Uh, so there's four of us that started the company out of New York. Uh, myself, Justin Weinstein, Jarrett McGovern, and Hudson Gaines-Ross. Uh, and we were really four guys just looking to make a better offering out there uh, in the coffee world and in the energy drink world. Uh, we saw a space where you go into a gas station and you're looking through the vault and you see high sugar, high calories, uh, a lot of chemicals. And we just saw an opportunity to do something a little bit better. Uh, so we actually started the company out of New York uh, as a keg based business. Where we're delivering kegs to offices and restaurants. Uh, and it's interesting to think about sort of those first two years when you're watching the news today and seeing uh, a the impact that the coronavirus has had on the, the office market. Uh, and then looking at those streets that we were driving up and down every single day, carrying kegs up to the, you know, second floor of Facebook or whatever it may be. Um, and it, it's sad. It's certainly sad from a, uh, from a human level. Um, and from a business level, it's, it's also sad. You know, that's a lot of time and energy that, that we put into building a component of the business. And uh, thankfully, we've diversified since then. And we've, we've gotten into a lot of other uh, lines of business and areas of the country. Um, but it's certainly something that's been pretty, pretty stark in the last couple of days to look back at where our business was built uh, and just see the hardships that it's going through right now. Now, when you talk keg, uh, most people, or at least me, I'm thinking high school, uh, the keg on the back, running up the hill type stuff. But are we talking beer or are we still talking coffee when you were doing that uh, food service? Well, those, the, uh, the kegs on the back certainly helped us train in high school, but, uh, no, they're, they're coffee. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, pure black coffee infused with nitrogen, uh, comes out very similar to a Guinness. And so, uh, we set up a distribution network that was delivering these kegs to offices. So they'd set them up in their break room and, 
uh, and pour coffee uh, just as you would use a Keurig or a hot, uh, hot black machine. Uh, were you going at that time? Um, I'm assuming that that sort of uh, is, is not happening now, of course, right? Um, but at the time, were you also developing a single serve option or, or how, did that, how did that grow into that type of offering? Sure. Yeah. So we, we were getting great exposure in the offices. Um, the business was growing tremendously by word of mouth. People would have meetings at another office and then go back to their office and say, why don't we have this? So that, that part of the business uh, grew organically, but then we didn't have any way to find them at home or on the streets. You couldn't bring a keg uh, into many stores or, or into their home. And so we developed the can uh, to be able to reach them at those places. And so that was about a year and a half to two years into the process that we first developed our first ready-to-drink product. And what year was that? That was 2016. Yeah, okay, cool. All of 2016. Okay. And you were still in New York at the time? Correct. Still in New York. We set up a brewery in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, which is still there today. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, the first brewery was in my garage uh, at that time in 2016, 17. So... Uh, I was brewing in the garage, and then uh, my partners were coming, picking it up, and driving around New York all day. Got it. So now, as you are growing the business, right, and looking at the dif different distribution channels, um, you can almost say the same for anybody who's who's watching this that's in the beverage business, right? You are starting to think about single serve and, and offerings specific for distribution channels outside of offices or food service. Um, how did that get going? What, what was the first sort of initiative? What type of retailer did it look like? What did the offering look like? Was it a six pack? Was it a 12 pack? Um, how, did your, how did you get your costing sort of corrected for, for an opportunity like that? Sure, so the, the first offering was a refrigerated product. So it needed to be made cold, stored cold, and came in a 12 ounce widget can. Um, and we've since evolved from there. We developed uh, the, the first shelf stable uh, widget can uh, and have shrunk the size down to a seven ounce uh, can. So um, that was the first real step that we made that allowed us to, to look after broader distribution is getting that shelf stable component done. Uh, when we originally launched, we launched with a distributor called Rainforest in New York City, uh, which is a great specialty uh, distributor, uh, particularly for brand building. Um, but in order for us to go broader, to work with some of the larger retailers, to work with some of the larger distributors, we realized that we needed to have a shelf stable offering with a longer shelf life. And so we really put the majority of our efforts that following year to developing that product. And today we're, we go to about, uh, 12 to 13,000 different doors across the country. Oh, that's amazing. Now, now, before we jump to that, um, uh, just again, people who are watching and, uh, like a rainforest, uh, we considered a, a DSD, right? Um, so it's a smaller distributor. People think distributor, oh, Kehi, UNFI. Um, but there are smaller, more regional distributors that can help build a brand, um, whether it's so someone that looks like yours or a food brand, um, to really attack the, the region. We call it sort of the, uh, the play of uh, an inch wide, mile deep scenario, right? Rather than going out there and blanketing the country as, as a lot would love to do, um, that's how you get crushed. Um, you don't have any data, you have no feedback, you have no sales, you have no sales velocity to, to look at. Um, so as you are, are doing that with a rainforest in your region, are you then finding the data that's confirming, all right, I think we might have something here? Yeah, I mean, you certainly see with your velocities and your repeat purchases, uh, is 
is the brand working? Is the individual SKUs of your different product offerings working? Uh, and we had some that worked in, in the early days and we had some SKUs that didn't work. And so uh, you certainly have to acknowledge when something is not working uh, and stop putting resources into it. And then the things that are working, you really get behind. Uh, and those are the ones, like you said, you wanna go uh, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep and really develop that story that you can then take to another retailer, another distributor, uh, another geographic location and say, this is how we did it. And this is, this, these are the results. Uh, and that really helps build the story. And, and as you mentioned, data, uh, data is key. We, we got turned on to data. I feel like fairly early in the life cycle of a brand, but I wish we would have turned on to it even earlier. Uh, if you're watching this and you are into food and beverage and you want to start a company, I would rewind that last part, the good minute that Grant just gave you. Uh, it's very, in, it, it's very important. Um, it, it's important to, to really test, uh, and don't get caught up in the storylines that may be coming down your feed of some, you know, big launch or, big funding or retail exposure, you need to, you need to sell your product. Uh, that could be at a farmer's market, you know, get some data there, find out which SKUs are working, which SKUs are not, um, and, then, um, and then expanding based on that information. After that regional play, what was the first big launch and or retail partnership that you can think of that really kind of said, all right, we're, we're doing this? Well, from Rainforest, our next uh, distribution partner was another DSD partner on the opposite side of the country in the Pacific Northwest, uh, a DSD named Columbia. Um, and it was a pretty big play for us because geographically we were departing all the way to the other side of the country and we were kind of going at, at coffee country. You know, that's where a lot of coffee brands are. It's where the most uh, kind of well-developed coffee palettes are. And so we decided if, if we can go there and win, uh, it helps that story for us to move on to the rest of the country. And so that was the next big play. Uh, and so we, we began working with retailers uh, like Safeway Albertsons, uh, and which was a much larger step for us than some of the retailers we were working with back in the Northeast. If you don't know, um, there's small uh, coffee companies in, in where, where I'm at, actually, on the West Coast, uh, specifically north of us, um, like, a, like Starbucks that you may have heard of before. Um, you're, you're, you, of course, the, the edge that you have and continue to have is it's so, um, there's a real, there's a, there's a new story, right? There's a new storyline, and that's what you're, you're building on. Could you uh, give us a glimpse? What is that, if you don't mind? What is the storyline? Besides this, I can picture it, and so I got sort of pumped about it, right? I, I want to be a part of something that's, that's uh, interesting, unique, um, original. You know, the, this, this, this keg of coffee uh, that you're bringing up to, you know, to, to new customers, right? It's an experience um, that's different. Uh, what, is that, what is the story? What's your, what's your main uh, storyline? Sure. So I wouldn't say that we have a kind of a main tagline that we put on repeat. Um, but one of the things that we've done from the beginning was really go after quality and quality ingredients. And so, uh, we're, all of our products were organic. All of our ingredient labels are extremely simple. Uh, and you can pronounce every single ingredient that's in there and you know exactly what it is. Uh, and we just looked at spaces that, uh, either didn't have anyone in them, or if they did have other players in that space, they didn't meet those two criteria. They had non-organic ingredients, and they had a bunch of additives that 
you know, realistically you wouldn't want to put in your body. Uh, and so by kind of uh, not sacrificing on those two things uh, and obviously quality and taste, it's, you know, it's another good lesson I think for, for entrepreneurs is you really do have to get the taste right. Uh, sometimes people ignore that and they, and they move on with everything else. But uh, if you're sampling your product to friends or farmers markets or wherever you may be, and people aren't coming back and asking, where can I get that? Can I have more? I absolutely love it. Keep working on your product uh, before you do anything else because you want that right before you go out. Uh, and that was always our focus. Um, you know, as a, as a team, we always passed the products around and not until it was a 10 out of 10 did we kind of let it out of the bag. Uh, here, uh, if we had kept our original chip uh, from when we started, we would not be talking right now. Uh, it was the, the first, um, what I'd call multiple uh, combination, punch combinations that I received uh, at the head and gut uh, on what uh, is a requirement. You have to have uh, your taste uh, it dialed in. Uh, food and beverage, it, it's a tasting and it's not, you know, there can be benefits and, and there can be those things that, um, that are sort of the cherries on top, but you have to have your taste uh, dialed in for people to come back for more. Um, and so that's, that's, that's well noted. Um, you noted that you're in about 12,000 locations now, uh, which is amazing. Congratulations on all that. Um, the way I like to sort of uh, end this piece with the brand, um, we're dealing, as we started the show, we're, we're, we're on some really shaky grounds right now. Not just, we just came off uh, of, of, you know, some, some SIP with the Corona and, and now we're, we're, we're dealing with, with something, um, something new uh, that we need to, uh, you know, that we need to, to, to take care of. We need to react. We need to deal with, we need to address. Um, with that said, um, you know, there are still, the, the country is opening, slowly opening. Um, what does rise look like in 12 months? Uh, where, where do you see yourselves? What does the brand uh, look like in terms of distribution? Uh, give that to us. Sure. Uh, so I think in, internally, uh, we've always had a remote team. So uh, being on Zoom and uh, across the country is not new to us. Uh, and I think that's been helpful through the transition. Uh, and then I think as a, as a brand, um, consumer habits are going to be different, right? People haven't been going out to the coffee shops. Uh, they haven't been going into work where they take their 15-minute coffee break. Uh, and so they're ordering a lot of products uh, online direct from the retailers. I know my fridge at home uh, is filled with a bunch of different brands that I want to try out. And I'll order a 12-pack or a 24-pack. And, uh, you know, at a dollar or two dollars or three dollars per unit, you're saving a bunch of money from when you used to go out to the coffee shop or wherever you may have bought before. And so I think that that, uh, that will be around for a while. Um, I think that a lot of the purchasing habits uh, are going to stick around. I also think it was interesting to watch the data uh, in better for you foods uh, really outperformed uh, traditional foods uh, through this pandemic. And so while certainly people were stocking up on flour and rice, they were also trying new things. They were cooking at home and they were more thoughtful about what they were putting into their body. Uh, and I think that that's just going to accelerate that trend that was already happening as well. Very cool. Uh, you guys got a, a good story. I, I like it. Um, appreciate having you on and congratulations on the success. Um, I, I think you made a lot of really great points in this and that, that a lot of people will get some uh, value from. So I appreciate having you on.
Thanks for having us, Mark. Absolutely. Uh, here we go. I'm going to unmute you, Glenn. So let me unmute you. Here we go. Here we go. Let me unmute you here, Glenn. You can can you unmute yourself there, Glenn? Just, uh, there, you did, there, there you the go. There you go. Buttons for change. Luckily, I, I I do know Glenn Wilkins here from Zap Packaging, so that is totally normal. Uh, yeah. What happened was totally normal. I would not totally. expect anything else, uh, but a little uh, blunder uh, to occur. <laughs> Glenn uh, actually does uh, our packaging. Uh, he does our inner cases that we've been doing for, for the last few years. He's a good dude. I can tell you that. Uh, he has driven, uh, he has driven boxes. When, when there's been a delivery missed, he has delivered boxes uh, by driving two or three hours in the middle of the morning. I'm setting it up for that. Uh, Glenn Wilkins, tell us a little bit about that packaging. Yeah. All right, packaging. It's, uh, we call it packaging two. We had a company, Vincent started uh, years ago. Uh, he got bought out by a bigger company. He sold. He got back in the business in April 2018, uh, and we've been going upwards, onwards, forward ever since. We actually had a record month this month for orders entered, which I'm going to say thank you, Mark. appreciate your business, and I just love our relationship. It's been phenomenal. Uh, we have a full manufacturing site in, like I said, Ontario, California. Our service area is Northern California, Southern California. Have customers in Florida. If there's a need and we can work things out together and, and get a partnership going, the best things happen. Communication is key, understanding your product. Anytime I get something that where I'm looking at people, I do my searches on the web, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever it may be to find out more information. And my biggest thing is asking questions and then listening and receiving the information, not looking to get my next question out. Very important. I like it. If you need packaging, all types of packaging, could be boxes, it could be inner sleeves, it could be cool designs around it. Glenn's, Glenn's got the stuff. Uh, Grant, I appreciate it again. Glenn, appreciate it. Uh, I hope all is well. I hope it will continue to be well. Uh, let's uh, speak up, let's band together, uh, let's do the right thing, keep uh, putting that message out there. Peace. Love it.